0: Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass and we are ready to go, aren't we, Martin?
1: We are. A bit of a Belgian-y theme to tonight's show, Steve. And still uh, we'll... surprise a few listeners. That uh, isn't it? Well it would definitely <laughs> surprise a few listeners for you maybe a couple of years ago, mate um and the first beer we got in the glass is a new release from duval 666 their low alcohol version of duval
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, their idea of low alcohol is still six and a half percent brilliant
1: we have already poured it as you said and i'm just
0: looking at it now so do you mind let's let's get in cheers Cheers. it's got that distinctively duval nose about it hasn't it oh definitely
1: Although the, the flavour is slight the flavour profile is slightly different. It's got more of a just a traditional Belgian golden ale kind of profile to it. But what it what it has still got just from those first few sips, drinkability again.
0: Yeah, it's it is, isn't it? I mean, I, I I must admit I thought the same as you. It's um it's a little bit lighter than the the standard, I suppose it's big brother. Um I, I find it a little more bitter on on the finish maybe than than, than the, the the normal duval i can um, i can
1: see that and there's it, there's almost like um the the what the fruity esters from the yeast seems to be coming through a bit more as well yes yeah seems to be more yeah. pronounced um it is but i mean like duval, duval, duval normal duval, duval Citra triple hop and now this one. They're all singly drinkable and which makes them still dangerous because this is still
0: 6.66%. Now, this has been released to coincide with the 150th anniversary of the Duval Morgat family brewery. so it's a brand new brew that, that they've come up with. And it was actually developed by the brewmaster from Firestone Walker, Matt Brindelson, who really? was, yeah, yeah. He was, um, I, I don't know whether he was on some sort of exchange with the brewery or whether he was staying in Belgium for a while or whether he just went over to visit, but he, he basically developed this beer. And um, the, as, as the story goes, and when, when I say the story, we, we were sent a link by friend of the show, Owen Walsh, who's just written a piece for Ferment Magazine. Um, And in there, it talks about how Matt was literally developing this beer to get sign off from the head of Duval. Um, So Michael Morgat was was tasting this almost every time he came up with a trial batch. Matt was like, taste it and see if it's okay, And kind of to get his approval for it to be finally released was was a a, a bit of a moment for him. Um, And it was also one of the last beers that, that he brewed with Duval before he went back to the States as well. So it's, it's quite nice that it's kind of, it, it's been developed, I, I suppose, by a, an external brewer who's, who's you, you know, obviously well-known at Firestone Walker, but it's been given the family seal of approval that it's good enough to be a Duval beer. Yeah. And, you know, then I don't think they'll do that lightly. It's
1: got to sit in the family correctly, hasn't it? In the Yeah. And when I say that, I mean, the, the Duval Part of the family, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. Did you, um, you know, for your love of the show, do an extra bit of research at the weekend on one of the new triple hot versions?
0: I did. Yeah, the cashmere triple hot cashmere, which is the the latest one that they've done. Um, I've got to say, I wasn't a fan of it. It was uh, very perfumey, very floral on on the nose, and it was it had quite a tropical. And I'd say probably dominantly peach on the finish, and it it didn't it didn't really sit with me kind of probably as well as the citra one does um, because that citra one is just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, what you described is how I the, the few beers I've had with cashmere in it that sounds like what the cashmere hop is supposed to bring to the party. I'm just not sure it sits in the duvel range, whereas the citra hop still has. Some of those fruity notes but there's definitely a bitter edge to it as well which sits quite nicely yeah but was the cashmere still nine and a half as well
0: it was yeah yeah so still 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 a big old big old beer but just coming back to the 6.6 um and and this is one of the things that always amazes me and and it's one of those facts that i know i know but i always forget as as well is that it's been used as as all of their beers are using the same yeast strain which is actually originally from scotland And it's been in the family brewing business since the 1920s. I was going to say the same thing. Every time I hear that, I go, oh, yeah.
1: And then somehow it gets erased.
0: Yeah, it gets erased. To have something else stored for a while, <laughs> and until we, until you need that again. But yeah, so this is um this is available now. There there are a lot of online um, stockists that are now stocking it in the UK. Uh, massive shout out and thanks to R and R Teamworks PR company that sent us this beer to try on the show this week. Uh, so thanks to Tash at R and R sending this over. We are very very grateful for, for that. But yeah, if people want to get their hands on it, it is quite widely available. Um, I mean, I picked up a few literally just by searching for it. And, and then went to the first website in the UK that was advertising they had it. Oh, that's. I
1: mean, that's good. I mean, it, it. You know, we're only a third of the way through our respective glasses, um, but it does feel like it... You can imagine doing this, Duval Classic, and then the Duval Citra as a bit of a, a tasting, and I think they'd all sit quite comfortably with each I, other.
0: I, I think that was what... That's that's essentially what we were planning on doing uh, at the weekend, and but we got to the cashmere and... We just didn't feel like the, the citra would have quite worked after it because the, 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 they're so different in their profiles. Yeah. So so we, we kind of just left it at the cashmere. I mean, I know what the citra tastes like. It's a, it's a beer that, again, for a 9.5% is just ridiculously drinkable. Well, while we're enjoying this, uh, let's have a bit of a chat uh, about what we've been up to or, or, or well, pretty much what we've been drinking at home. Any um, real standout beers for you, mate?
1: Now I've got a couple I'd like to mention. I mean, it's been a little while since we've done this. I'm not exactly sure where they fit in the uh, in the timeline, so to speak. Um, but uh, as you may have noticed on Twitter, uh, Michelle and I celebrated our 50th birthday. we were 50 on the same day. And um, a complete surprise, Neptune sent us a case beer. Um, and they had their ESB in the there. In the the, Salen- Salensus, the or Salenus. Bloody fantastic ESP that was. Um, and I did note I noticed a quote, I did notice that John Keeling gave it a seal of approval as well from Fuller's X of Fullers. Um, it was, it was everything you want from it. And it just had a little bit of a creepier mouthfeel, than perhaps say the Fuller's ESP as well. It was absolutely delicious. It was really, really good. And another one from them, which was in the case, which is definitely worth a shout out, because it's often a star that I don't give a shout-out to, uh Siren Song, their rye beer coming in at 5.2 percent uh, it was really well balanced there wasn't too much of the rye there wasn't too much honey sweetness um, had a nice finish to it uh, said some lovely i i put this into my untapped shared it to twitter and then julie came back saying yeah it's really nice on tap yeah thanks julie why, why why say that why would you do that to us um, but yeah those those are the first couple i'm going to give a shout out to um, really enjoyed them, and again, thanks to Julian Les for sending that case through. It was a really lovely surprise, so appreciated that so much. Um, any anything you want to shout out, Steve?
0: Um, okay, well, I'm going to match you with one of the styles there. Um, in last month's uh, Thornbridge Beer Club box, there was uh, an ESB called Late Star, and it's uh, bottle conditioned as as well, and it's simply incredible. It's Thornbridge doing what they do really, really well in in, in terms of like a proper traditional style but by bottle conditioning it, it it seems to have just lifted it as as, as well so it's uh, it it, it has, has, has kind of made it taste a little bit like cask beer yeah you, you, you know it's it, it really soft everything you want from an esb kind of you know woody earthy bitter notes but then with some sweet citrus going around it as well just absolutely delicious stuff um i'm Glad I've still got a second bottle of that to to look forward to enjoying as as well.
1: Uh, I bet you, I saw a lot of love for that one from from people yeah. who had the Forbridge Club box. So there was a. I think pretty much universal praise for that one out there. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Probably probably the standout from from last month's box so I'm not i have not gone through, got through them all yet, but it's it's certainly up there as one of the potential standouts. And and the other the other one that I want to mention is a beer that I enjoyed when I um, recently appeared on Beers Without Frontiers. Um, I did a selection of Oakham's latest releases into can, one of which was Green Devil, which is their IPA, and it's the first time as far as i know they've released it in can but it was the t90 version as as well so it was the citra hop uh, t90 and mate it was just incredible it was a bitterness for days but it also left the most amazing lacing in in the glass as well i've never seen anything like it from a cat oh, well i can't, mean i can't talk
1: you can't <laughs> talk it's so emotional i mean it's it is their big beer isn't it it's the one it's basically oakum citra then you move on to oakum green devil don't you
0: Yes, yes, it, it is. It is the big, it is the big brother of, of of Citra, but yeah, just just incredible stuff. Just really, really good brewing, done well. And um, I think when the cans arrived, they were about two weeks old as as well, so super fresh as as well. Definitely an under the radar brewery. Oak oh, Dump. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Definitely
1: an under the radar brewery. Um, speaking of like the cast type beers. I, I, I also received a birthday gift from um, some friends from work locally and um, they popped down to Brentwood Brewing Company and picked up uh, a mixed case um, or a couple of mixed cases one of which I've decided to share with our friends at the Essex Bottle Share um, including your good self and um, I had one which again it's classed as extra special strong bitter on untapped it's called Lumberjack and um, you know it's not generally the sort of beers I'd often buy these days for at home. Is the more traditional five hundred milliliter bottles, um, as much as we have both just suddenly wax lyrical about beers which would taste great on cast. They tend to be maybe the more modern versions, um, but Brentwood are a more traditional brewery and they do do trad well. They do cast well. They're, they're, it's always in good nick. It may not be always to your palate, but they do. It is always in good nick, and uh, the Lumberjack five point two percent. Um, The first one I had of that when I was having a catch-up call with some friends uh, around about my birthday weekend, um, I followed it up by having a second one straight away. So it can't, you know, for me, if I wanted a second one straight away, it's definitely ticking a few boxes. But again, you know, it did make me think uh, definitely what a few of the pubs in and around the Shenfield Brentwood area, but I know would definitely have had this on and I would still have preferred to have it pulled minus sparkler, obviously, given where we are, Steve. So uh, you know, to add that little bit of sadness, it would be without a sparkler. But yes, so the, the lumberjack. So a little bit of a shout out for a local brewery there.
0: Any last ones for you? Yeah, my last one couldn't be further away from that, mate. Both in <laughs> in, in, in terms of the the beer style and and where it came from as well. Um, which and it's it's basically from Heretic Brewing Co. in in the states. Uh, Evil Three. Triple IPA. Now, this this dropped on Twitter last week. That the malt miller, who's mostly known for excellent home brewing supplies, had um, imported a load of beers from Heretic Brewing, um, and basically they've been completely cold chained from the States to the UK, they're, they've landed at the Mount Miller, they've, they've, they've stayed refrigerated there, they're all about three weeks old in, in terms of when they went into the can, and, and he put these up on, on, on the site, and, and I picked up on it, and I, I bought a box of six of the triple IPA, and, and then sort of like messaged you and Clayton instantly and said, I've just bought these, do you want some, and you were both like, yes please, but mate, it's, I know you've not had yours yet, but it's absolutely stunning it's just gonna blow you away it's it's big and it is bold and it is sticky resinous and then there's all this wonderful citrus orangey pithiness going on and then there's a bitterness that hits you knocks you down picks you up and hits you again it's It's just so bitter, it just goes on forever, but it's absolutely delicious i I drunk the, the my two cans went the evening they arrived um, because it wasn't hanging around in in my fridge, but absolutely delicious stuff and i'm I'm really looking forward to when you get your hands on yours and actually seeing what you think of it.
1: I am looking forward to it, but yeah, it completely caught me literally cold when I saw all the stuff coming up on Twitter, and you said, I was well, first of all. Malt Miller, why are they doing this? Heretic, don't really know anything about them. Um, Then your amazingly positive review about it and then trying to say to Clayton, myself, you're going to hate it, I'll keep the other four if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which gave me a good indication that obviously I wouldn't. And I said to you, look, well, the last time that we waxed a bit lyrical about uh, new US beers for us was Half Acre. Yes, absolutely, yeah. So I said, right, what about Half Acre? And the closest in my mind I could think was the 10% imperial ipa but they called it the deep space Mm -hmm. and you just went this blows half acre out of the water
0: it's yeah i mean and that's not taken away from half acre that that's taken away from the, the the heretic beer it was it was just incredible um like I say, all I can say is I'm really looking forward to, to hearing your thoughts about it when when you do get your hands on it.
1: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to trying that. And but yeah, I, I, if anyone else has tried any of the other beers from them, I, I would be curious to know what the, the range is like.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd be I'd be interested as well to see if it's something that he's going to continue doing as well. Because if it is, it just it gives you another new outlet to uh, a brewery that are very much based on the West Coast of the states. Um, you know the heritage that's gone into that brewing as as well. I mean, I know one of the the, the, the brewers that was certainly involved in the Evil Three was Mitch Steele, who's formerly of Stone Brewing. He was the head brewmaster there, so obviously he comes comes with a hell of a pedigree there. Um, and, I, and i know the other two that were involved in in that beer as well are also quite big on the the, the u s home brewing scene as well um so like i say there 's a lot of um kind of brewing knowledge gone into creating what is an absolute beast of a west coast i p a now why we 're talking west coast um we should probably mention uh, at this point the uh the surprise show that we dropped no that 's there yeah <laughs> well, 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 I
1: want to talk about Sierra Nevada steve um well i mean we haven't really spoken about it apart from on twitter um and we we did keep it a secret um i'm glad we did um i'll be honest steve was tromping at the bit um and i was looking forward to finding out what people thought of it um we'd spent a bit of time chasing them up and don't get me wrong when i say chasing them up we weren't in daily contact with ken so let's be clear about that um we're in contact with, you know, one of the, the PR guys directly for Sierra Nevada. Finally got something nailed. Both rushed out. Steve bought the hardback. I bought the audio just because of the, the amount of work from home at the moment. Um, but I think we both found the book absolutely fascinating, didn't oh, we, Steve?
0: Yeah, I, f- I found his story just um, incredible. And and also very, very very humbling as well that kind of this guy has literally built the brewery himself from the ground up.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean the book only goes up to what 2013?
0: Yeah. And and there's, then there's it, there's, there's actually like isn't there? there? Yeah. He, I know, he needs to do a,
1: he needs to do a second book.
0: Maybe maybe that's what his semi-retirement is is going to be yeah, for.
1: Semi-retirement. Semi-retirement <laughs> by art. I so that not from everything we learned about Vida book and the conversation we had with him, I don't think Ken has it in him to just stop.
0: No, I don't, I don't. I don't think he will. I think he'll keep going. And I think just it just testament to that is the fact that obviously when we recorded that show for him, it was 7 a.m. in the morning. So, so it was literally breakfast time for him. And he was sat there drinking coffee while, while you and I were just smashing back Sierra Nevada beers like there was no tomorrow, essentially. So I do wonder what he initially felt of us. Um, but as, as the conversation went on, it was, I, I think, it, it became a very natural conversation that we were having with him. And I, I, I think when we finished, you and I just, and, and, and Ken left us, you and I just sat back and was like, did that really just happen? Have, have we really just sat and chatted with Ken Grossman for an hour and a half?
1: Yeah. And I, it wasn't, it was definitely that sort of feeling. Um, and yeah, you know, he was there with his coffee, you know, anyone who's now listened to the show will know that this was not his first rodeo. Um, and you know, we didn't have to ask that many questions either. And we got some feedback from Sierra Nevada and they had listened to it and they still said that they learned something new again from, you know, such a rich and varied life. And, um, as Steve said, and as Steve introed it, you know, founder, brewer, builder. If ever there was a literal description of someone, it, it was him. And you know, regardless of anything else, I admit that I just thoroughly enjoyed that hour and a half that we had uh, with him. Would have been fantastic to be in Chico,
0: oh, doing yes. it, sat in the tap room doing it. Yeah,
1: until I mean, that 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 has gone so far up the the bucket list of places to go to now as well
0: yeah it's kind of always been at the top of mind but after after reading the book and, and after listening to Ken's story, it's, it's kind of just made me want to do that even more um, because I do want to want to visit there and I want to see that um, because from the pictures that I've seen the, the the German brew house that we spoke about it sounds like that's right there in, in, in the sort of like hallway of the visitor center almost so that you can actually see it because it is quite a decorative piece and I think for you and I it's quite probably quite similar to what we saw when we went to Budvar.
1: Yes, I think it would have the same similar sort of effect on us as well as we went into Budvar. And, you know, and also the fact that, you know, he did talk about it a bit on the uh, on the podcast, but there was a lot more in the book about it.
0: Oh, yeah, so much more. I mean, I would I would highly recommend if anybody wants a really good beery read is is, is to get Ken's book. It's called Beyond the Pow. Um, as as you say, you can get it in um audiobook or you can get it hardback. Uh, from, from most places uh, I would have thought where you, where you get your, your reading but yeah I, I mean it was a it was a truly humbling experience for us and it was great and we really enjoyed it and we've really enjoyed all of the feedback that we've had from our listeners as well so thank you so very much for that and and we will go through some of that a little bit later on in Bitter and Lingerness. While we're talking Sierra Nevada, though, it's a lovely segue into this week's news. We do have some news. Um, Sierra Nevada are going to be launching, and and I, I think this is pretty much exclusive news as well, that they're going to be launching an online store in, in the uk called the cascade club it's launching on the 15th of march um and it's going to be featuring core range seasonals and specials through throughout the year um, now you can register to use this um site either as a trade account or as an individual punter so you, you know people like you and i can go and buy our beers from there there'll be um a five percent discount on any multiples of the same item sort of 12 plus so if you're buying a a, a case of sierra nevada parallel and and you get 12 you're going to get a five percent discount on that and sierra nevada have been great in giving us a discount code as as well to give to our listeners to get a further five percent off now all of this launches on the 15th of march the discount code will be available from the 15th of March for two months only so if you do want to use it and you want to stock up on some of the delicious beers that you and I would certainly enjoy and while we were chatting to Ken then this is a great opportunity to do that there'll be a link in the show notes to the website where this will all be launching on the 15th of March but the discount code is opinions 2021 all one word and with a capital h as, as well that's that's really quite important so that's opinions capital h 2021 um, that the code you needs to use to get 5% off. And I, th- I think this is a first for them. Obviously they've been dipping their toes in the water in terms of some of their distribution in the UK and some of the online suppliers that they've been using. But I think this is the first time they're going direct to the trade and at the same time going direct to the consumer as well. Yeah, which is, seems
1: like a slightly unusual model as well.
0: But I, I think that's that, that's great that they're doing that, and we, we are obviously grateful for them um, giving us that code uh, yeah, very for much our so. listeners to, to use. Elsewhere in the news, um, there's a lot of crowdfunding going on at the moment and and rather than really dwell on any of this we're going to put show notes links in the show notes to all of this now some of the ones that we're going to mention here have only got a few days left some have still got a few weeks left some have got a little bit longer left but this is kind of what we've managed to 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 find that's available now so affinity brew co in london are looking to raise twenty five thousand pounds um and this is to secure the future of their business by opening a second uh shop to to get their beers direct to customers that at time of release this um finishes on the 8th of march so there's only a few days at time of release on this podcast if you want to get involved in that one also um crowdfunding at the moment our solvay society who have got an option where you can simply double your money at their taproom? So for every pound you get in, you get two pound back. The Black Heart, which is a pub in Camden, which I know quite a few people will probably know as being a craft location in that area, but also very well known for the music that it plays. Um, they're looking to raise 150000 basically to stay open. Um, They've got a series of benefits available, including things to do with music, merchandise, coffee, beers, and other drinks as well. So there's lots of options on that one. Skinners um, from Cornwall have launched a crowdfunding campaign today. They're looking to raise £100,000, again, just to survive. Uh, North Brew have got a pay it forward scheme which isn't so much crowd funder but for every 75 pounds you spend with north brew they'll give 25 pounds to your local bottle shop as as a way of incentive for you spending money with them and then finally and it's still a word that i can't say but it's the puppet bar in brussels um they're looking to raise twelve thousand euros again just to stay open and i think i think what all of that shows us is the impact that this pandemic is now really really having on the industry that not just breweries but also bars pubs are having to go to the crowd to ask them to invest just so that they can reopen yeah i think the shocking number there is the number for the black Heart. yeah hundred fifty thousand
1: to survive and yet some of the numbers that have been bandied about with regard to support have been well off the mark so you know, good luck to everyone. Um, you know, I've invested in a few here and there, um, but <sighs> some of those are big asks. Some of those are that, big asks.
0: Are. Yeah. Some of but those are big asks. There's links in the show notes there. So if you are looking to invest a little bit of money at the moment, um, if any of those tickle your fancy, you should be able to click through to where you can invest. Next up in the news is from Nomadic Beers in Leeds, who have uh, announced the rebrand, and they're also launching a new core can range so this is the first time their beers have gone into cans um they're releasing a pal at 3.8 percent um a beer called bandit which is an american pal at 4.8 percent and then sonic titan which is a 5.8 percent hoppy american brown brown which has been done in collaboration with elusive brew um they will all be available from Monday, the 8th of March, um, unless you're a member of their membership club, the Gigi's gang, um, which they you can get hold of those now. Um, they're also going to be doing a special online party for the can launch on Saturday, 13th of March. So it's great to see that uh, a small brewery in, in Leeds, certainly one that I vid- visited the last time I was up there. And we do know Mikey is a, a friend of the show as well. Um, it's great to see that they're they're kind of taking a step forward during this time as well.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know it's a good opportunity to do it, get yourself uh, renoticed perhaps. Um, but I do like the way they're taking the OCD route: 3.8, 4.8,
0: 5.8. I didn't even notice that. Of good all the spot. people,
1: of all <laughs> the people, not to notice that, Steve.
0: Yeah, I know. I, 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 I didn't notice that. Uh, while we're talking new beers, uh, and this one surprised me. Um, news today that Budvar are launching a seven point five percent. Um, beer it's called Budvar Reserve um, in brand new bottle design that is kind of in with their keeping of their new sort of like Republic of Beer branding that, that, that they've launched um, this is quite a big beer that they've launched now I initially thought that this was maybe the Imperial hopped beer that they bring out once a year but suggestion that it's a beer that was maybe previously called Be Strong um, that has just been repackaged
1: Ah, oh, so it's not the Imperial that we were lucky enough to try last year then, Steve?
0: Although it does say in the press release that we've been sent that the bottled version, along with a limited supply of fresh hopped Budvar Reserve in kegs, will be available to pubs and bars when the on-trade is able to reopen. So maybe it is the Imperial hopped beer. I mean, I do remember the
1: B-Strong. It wasn't something that I, managed, I saw very often. Um, and I was never clear if the B-Strong was definitely still... The Imperial or not. Does it say how long the strong is lagered for? Or um,
0: the reserve, I should 200 say. 200 days.
1: That was the same as the Imperial lager, I, wasn't I
0: it? I think this could be the Imperial lager in bottles.
1: Yeah. I mean, either way, I would be very excited to try I mean, if it's 200 days lagered from Budvar, 7.5%, pretty certain I've tried a couple of their stronger beers. I'm happy to try that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Now, it's available at the moment um, through Budvar's online shop in the UK. It is going to be available through some specialist online stores as well. Uh, and eventually it will find its way into some supermarkets, I believe. I think they're saying that the RRP on it is, is £2.25, which seems a really low price point for a 7.5% premium lager.
1: Well, you think about the beer we're drinking now. I mean, you can pick up bottles of Duval at 8.5% for around about the same price in supermarkets. Less, I
0: think, yeah.
1: So, yeah. you know, the the market is out there already. Um, but if I find Budvar, that beer, at £2 something, could be stocking up, get rid of the food
0: out of the shopping cart. Yeah, get ready for the summer with, with, with that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Clayfest. <laughs> now, on the um, the last news item this week is news about the summer sesh so we're we're, we're, we're going to reveal what we're we're up to so um we're pleased to be i suppose officially launching what we're calling opinions and friends so this is running from friday the 7th till sunday the 9th of may um yes you've heard that that's a three-day virtual beer festival we thought we'd go big this time for for our online ambitions didn't we mate
1: yeah i mean obviously when we first started talking about this as in, when I say we first started talking about this, when Steve said, I've got an idea. Um, it was definitely a case of almost trying to pitch it when, given that were restrictions going to be loosened? Would they be re- re- loosened at all? And, you know, we've had those announcements. Um, and we're still, we're, we're thinking about a big hurrah. And, and hopefully waving goodbye to the need to have as much fun as they've been, and as much fun I think this one will be, I would quite happily wave goodbye to our virtual sessions if it means that we're meeting up in person
0: oh absolutely and like i say i think the title gives it away opinions and friends this isn't just going to be a whole weekend of you guys drinking with martin and i and seeing how drunk you can get us uh, over the weekend we have spoken to some of our friends um some of our peers and this is what we've got lined up for you so we're quite excited about this and we we, we hope you'll share our excitement so on the friday night the very first session um we are doing live music friday yes you heard that right via zoom live music friday this is going to be in conjunction with Riverman and Brews. So Andrew and Luke are going to be joining us. We're going to have a few drinks and then at about nine, half nine, we're going to hand over to Andrew and Luke and we're going to let them play you some tunes. So if that's your sort of thing on a Friday night, um, keep your eye out for, for when the links go live. We will talk about that at, at the end. Um, on the Saturday, We'll be starting in the afternoon. So this is quite ambitious, considering how late the Saturdays can normally go. Um, But we'll be doing first up in the afternoon, we'll be easing ourselves in. We're working with Men Behaving badly. To bring you the shit quiz, so uh, those of you that listen to Men Behaving Badly will know that the guys do do regular quizzes that they call shit. Um, so they have run uh, a shit quiz on Zoom before. So I suppose this is the shit quiz too. But so so they're going to host a shit quiz for us after that um there will be a short break there is going to be a meet the brewer event and maybe kind of a virtual tour with brew york so so lee from brew york one of the owners is is going to be joining us and he's going to be talking to you about all things brew york we'll then go into the summer sesh so to speak on the saturday evening there's going to be three sessions available that you can book into um, on on the saturday evening as always, we know they're probably going to end up being carnage, but we are we are looking forward to that, and especially if we've been going since about lunchtime, um, it could start to resemble an actual crawl, couldn't it, mate? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, yeah, you may just we may just be horizontal, yep. to be honest, Steve. Um, but on the upside, you can't go wandering too far.
0: That is true. That is true. I, I can stay fairly, fairly safe and, and at home. And then on the Sunday, we thought we'd give you a nice, easy Sunday, so... Sunday afternoon, uh, some more music. But what we've got is we've got our friend Rob Edwards presenting a social distancing sounds live. So Rob's going to be spinning some tunes. He's going to be talking about them. There's going to be some easy beers. It's just going to be an opportunity to have a beer with some friends and listen to some great music. And then finally, on Sunday evening, we've got what we're calling Sunday Club, which is just going to be some easy beers. So if you're still going at that point and you want to join us for a few easy beers on Sunday evening, you can join us for Sunday Club. That is quite an ambitious lineup for for, for us.
1: Well, it's actually more ambitious than when we do a, a, a session for real. I mean, it started off as just one day before, then it became one day and an eve, and now we've got an eve, a day, and most of Sunday.
0: Yeah. Now, as usual, there, there will be um, links available to book all of this, but they're not going to be available until the beginning of April. Um, so you'll have to listen out to a future show for, for, for booking on all of those. And what we're also doing is we're working with a bottle shop that are, that is local to us. That's Two Brews in Colchester, and they are going to be bringing you an event box as, as well. So we're looking, there's going to be six beers in, 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 in the box. It's going to be a price point of around 30 quid um, with delivery on top of that. And the idea being that you can crack those open with other people and kind of share some of the same beers at at the same time. But for us, it also enables us to work with a local independent shop to essentially push a little bit of business their way, because we know you guys, our listeners, will trust our recommendations in terms of what beers are going to be in that box we don't know what's going to be in that box at the moment so don't start asking us it's too far in advance yeah no idea Yeah, but there there will be um, an an event box and there will also be in three of those boxes as well, in full on Willy Wonka style, what we're calling a golden ticket. Now, as as always, we're going to have to put some restrictions on the Saturday night sessions. So we're only going to allow you to, to, to book onto one session initially. But if you order an event box and you get a golden ticket, that will give you access to every single session over the weekend. Um, so that's got to be worth, that's got to be worth your money alone, just just to get the opportunity to come into every single session, isn't it?
1: Well, exactly. Um, if nothing else, it's a bit of fun, Steve, um, yes. the, yeah. the, the golden ticket. Um, but I am pleased that, you know, Paul at Two Brews can help us with this because um, as you say, it does give us a chance to work with a, lo- a local uh, bottle shop. We did something similar for the um, February bottle share for one of our anniversary ones. We worked with one in Chelmsford, um, and that, that was a good fun night. And it was quite nice getting a box of beers that we didn't know much about as well. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic programme we put together, largely because we've got other people with us as well. Um, so there's, there's a nice mix. People can dip in and out. I mean, Friday night, Riven Brews, you know, lunch, you know, Sunday day, Saturday daytime, a bit of a uh, you know, quiz and uh, a and brew york, get to meet Lee. And then a um, bit of social distance, easy listening on a Sunday. I mean, yeah. and then if, you know, and then you can put up with us at other times. But I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to the non-us bit because I, you know, I mean, Steve, you hear us all the time. So I yeah. think it's going to be really nice, um, and it would be lovely to have that sort of positive feel about it that there is light at the end of the tunnel. May not be all the light we want when we want it, but like I said, for me, I would like to go out. On a high with the virtual sessions, and hopefully never really have to do those kind of sessions for the same reason again.
0: Oh, absolutely, mate. And I think I think what we're going to do as well because we always kind of theme these these events, don't we? So the actual summer sesh, sessions on the Saturday night, I think I think we're playing with the the idea of doing a the theme of looking back at lockdown but what were your highlights? What were your beery highlights during that time or, or the things that got you through it? So just keeping everything really upbeat and really positive and, and just bringing together our little community to, yeah, say, say goodbye to this thing. And hopefully the next time we all meet, we'll be in person. Yep,
1: yeah, brilliant. And, uh, you know, like I said, further details still to come. So keep listening out.
0: Yes, watch this space. Well, why I've been doing all of that talking during the news on the odd occasion that I've allowed you to speak, I have been supping away at my Duval 6.66. Um, and it's gone. Oh, mine, went, mine went ages ago. <laughs> it's a really delicious beer, isn't it? Um I, I, I do like the fact that they've introduced a slightly lower ABV Duval that is still classically duval, but yeah. it's just it's just that little bit lower in ABV. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a
1: lovely idea. I mean, it's still, you know. I'm thinking back to mid 20s, me and I, I you know, Stella and Cronenberg used to be a bit, oh, blimey, that could be a bit of a heavy night and a, a bit of a bad next day. And here I am drinking 6.66, 6.66 beer, saying, oh, well, it's a bit lighter than the eight and a half. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah that's the, that's the thing, that's but the thing, ultimately,
1: uh, you know, let's judge the beer and how it tastes, it tastes fantastic, it's very drinkable, and you know, I think we. Probably could have drunk that quicker, Steve. this's been a warmer day we weren't nattering to each other and to our listeners that would have gone earlier
0: yeah and and I, I'd like to say I'd, I'd like to see it become maybe a little bit more widely available and I guess the the, the the ultimate aim with this is is that we'll probably see it in supermarkets eventually um sat next to its its elder brother on the shelf uh,
1: i I can see it. I mean they've kept it's very much doable branding as as well, isn't it so it's going to sit there quite nicely
0: Thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, me too. Well, let's move on to our second beer this week. So, continuing our Belgian theme-ish of of this evening, you have gone classically Belgian, haven't you, for your second beer?
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate description. I thought, well, you know, if we're only going to do a 6.66 beer, you know, that's just daft. I'm used to the 8.5 version. So I've decided to pick up the pace and go for an eight and a half percent Belgian strong beer, but I've decided to go for the pink elephant. So I've got a bottle of the classic delirium in a a lovely delirium sort of bulbous glass. um, And I'm dying to get into it. But what have you got, Steve?
0: I've gone for UK Belgian. I've got um, a beer from Six Degrees North, who are based in the northeast of Scotland. And they're actually six degrees north of Brussels, which is quite clever when, when it comes to their name. In, in, yeah, in that that's term. good. But they do do a range of uh, Belgian inspired beers. And this one I'm drinking next is also 6.6%. So I've gone kind of horizontal rather rather than up. And, and this is Hop Classic. It's a Belgian IPA. Um, I'm really looking forward to this as, as well. So let's talk no more about the beers and let's taste the beers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Yeah, it doesn't taste eight and a half percent. I mean, how many times do we say that about Belgian beer, though? but it doesn't taste its strength, um, which is why pretty much everyone on their first visit to Belgium pays for it quite considerably the next day. Um, it's, it's, it's their golden beer. It's, it's got some of the, the Belgian yeast, uh, yeasty ester qualities you'd expect. It's got a little bit of breadiness to it as well, and a bit of a a dryness to it. Um, I have to admit whenever I do drink delirium does put me in mind when we were lucky enough to meet, you know, one of the head guys from delirium when we were over in Dublin for the International Stout Weekend and he properly put us all in our place and showed us how to pour delirium correctly into the glass. Um, I've always always liked delirium. I've always enjoyed going to uh, delirium in Brussels. Just just need to get your timing right because, you know, under normal circumstances at the weekends, and some of the evenings, it can be a real tourist trap. Um, but the first time I went there, and then you get the opportunity to have a look at a menu which has got, at the time, I think it was over two thousand plus beers, and I think may have got even closer to three thousand. now I was like, okay, I need to order a beer first, and then have a look at the beer menu. It was just astonishing. But um, lovely, always. do like going back to Brussels. It always puts me in mind of it. So. It ticks a hell of a lot of boxes for me.
0: How's you your Belgium
1: IPA? It's
0: it's really delicious. It's um it's a straight up IPA. It's it's kind of hoppy, um, and then it's got this lovely bitter finish. But what underpins it is that Belgian yeasty characteristics, which just bring um, again probably a little bit of breadiness in there, uh, a little bit of sweetness on on, on the finish. But just really, really easy to drink. Um, again, I suppose if I'm if I'm doing direct comparison to the the six point six six with this at six point six, very, very similar in 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 terms of styling and 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 the way that they taste as well.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that might ever give you a bit of an indication sometimes with Belgian beers, especially if you're like starting out on your beer journey, is the bags of flavour and aroma that come with them may give you a bit of an inkling, but once you start getting into them and you're drinking it out of the associated glasses, you may be in Bruges, Ghent, Brussels in a nice area. It, they, they stick down very easily, uh, you know, as you found out yourself when you've been there over the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. We might need to crack on.
0: Yeah cuz this 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 one isn't <laughs> going to hang around in the glass. So let's um let's get into this week's question. Opinions 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 and it wasn't a poll this week. Um so what we did on the last show, we asked you lot, our lovely listeners, to ask us questions and we'd spend essentially this entire show Answering those questions. So, what we've got coming up is we've got a series of questions. So, we had a a number of questions that were asked publicly to both of us to, to, to answer. And then I know you've got some questions that were DM'd to you for me, and vice versa with me. And then, right at the end, we've both kind of got a question for each other as 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 well so the next bit of the show is all about the questions 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 fill my head
1: and the first one we have all ale the beer at all ale the beer breweries are putting three to six month shelf life on cans as they want them to be drunk fresh should they recall them when they go out of date as they won't be as the brewer intended out of date beer is bad seems to be the latest trend steve your views
0: I don't don't know if they should recall them or or whether... Because food producers don't recall food once it's gone out of date. It's down to the shop to take it off the shelves and and, and stop selling it, isn't it? So I'm going to go probably for the really easy easy answer here and say I don't think it's down to the brewers to, to recall their beers, but I think it is down to the shops that stock them to make sure the beers on their shelves are within the required date range.
1: I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, with most other consumables, which have a, an expiry date on them, they shift them. They either go into a certain bit at the end of the counter or they donate them to charity. And some of the, you know, some of the really good work that the food charities do. But what's your, do you have a view about the whole three to six-month shelf life thing?
0: Yeah, I, 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 think, I, I, I think some of it's a, a little bit of hype. Um, although I'm fully aware before anybody calls me out on it that already twice this evening I've mentioned how fresh I've drunk beers in, in terms of their canned-on date. Um I, I'm not really fussed uh, about seeing canned-on. I would like to know a best before date, and within that I would like to know what the brewer deems as a decent range. So if the best before date is in... September 2021 then and and they put a 6 month life on their beer then I know that beer has been packaged in March 2021. So that that's what's more of interest to me. Yeah, I mean, I to me I know that say and again
1: we we're both fans of kernel beer and they've said drink fresh pretty much as as much as I can remember on their bottles. Um I do feel like and this may be the cynical banker in me but there's a bit of a marketing issue here as well perhaps a bit of a marketing ploy because it helps us shift the product um i do think it's down to the place selling it to make the decision either to pull it or to sell it at a different price or at least to flag it up if those dates are available on on the the can or the you know or the bottle um i also i've had some fresh beers recently which have really disappointed me uh, which I thought would be, you know, bang on fresh, would be at their best, at their peak. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, there's a few famous ones. I mean, Dry porex X definitely tasted better third time round, having even just sitting around for a, maybe even a couple of months. And that's not to say the first one was bad. It did not taste as good. So there are times when certain beers, and I've got no doubt, you know, you had your heretic beer last week so from time and people listening it's over a week since you had it it could be a couple of weeks before i have it i reckon i still love it just as much you know um and i think that especially with the ipa style i think even with west coast ipas maybe some of the dippers and some of the neepers then actually benefit from being left alone for a bit because they can actually maybe carry on cooking as i like to call it maybe not be quite so raw i don't want to smell The brewing process i want to smell and taste the finished article so i do recognize it as a bit of a trend but it's not one i've really got on board with a lot of the time but i've got no doubt i have in the past and i will in the future wax Liverpool when i do have a fantastic fresh beer
0: yeah i mean it's 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 difficult to kind of quantify it really isn't it because i i banged on about how great the oakham green devil was now, at at time of people listening to, to this podcast, that was two weeks ago that, that I drank that. I don't know when I'm going to drink my next one. Am, am I going to drink it this week? Am I going to drink it the week after? Am I going to drink it in another three, four weeks time? And is is, is it going to have changed much in, in that time? I, I don't really know. And may, maybe I need to do a little bit more experiment, experimentation with uh, the, the, the Belgian beer is taking effect here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on lower ABVs than you. Um <laughs> Yeah, maybe I need to do a little bit more experimentation with the, the, the a fresh beer, drink one now and drink one in six weeks to see how much changes.
1: I remember a time when you went to Thornbridge, mainly because you like to remind me of that pint of Dry uh, Jaipur that you had there. Hey, you brought that up this time. Yeah. Um, Just point that one out. And you had a conversation with them, and they said that they test their beers during the life cycle that they give it, whether that be six, nine, 12 months. And I think typically... Jaipur in cans as a twelve-month uh, period, and they said they they try it because they want to know. And I think they said they leave it on the shelf, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they leave it on the shelf. Yeah, it's still good because they want that beer to still be good throughout its whole life. Now, whether you like poor or not, I still think that's a really laudable way to look at it as well, because it doesn't that it doesn't mean it has to be drunk straight away. Just because you bought it, it has to be drunk. Bought it, it has to be drunk. So, I think there is a lesson there for some. Breweries, maybe even maybe dare I say it, some of the newer breweries, but there's a little bit to be learned there from a brewery who's been around for 15 years now. That if you're going to give it a date, give it a date that we can trust and let's go with it. But if you're going to say it, it has to be drunk in three months, I'm not convinced. You know, I know we used to have the hype with Born to Die and Stone, uh, the Stone beer as well, but that was definitely done as a hype beer, and you were buying it knowing it was a hype beer. Yeah. We're yeah. talking generally about just beer now, so yeah, I mean that's that's sort of where I sit on it.
0: Well, let's um, let's let's not dwell too much because we do have quite a lot of questions to get through. Now, some people asked a few questions, so what we've kind of done is lump them together. So, so it is kind of your moment uh, to shine. So, next up from Wim Fandangle at Wim Fandangle, first question: uh, Do your fridge fillers change with the seasons? And then the second question: Has fame changed you?
1: Um, I'm going to go for the fridge fillers first Um, no not really Uh, my fridge fillers do tend to be IPAs, pale owls and lagers and low alcohol as fridge fillers that's what I buy my four packs and six packs of Um, that doesn't mean other beers obviously don't end up in the fridge but I don't think about putting them in the fridge just to be there you know, so that I can just open the fridge door pull a beer out my pre-recording beer tonight was an IPA in a can so nope for me what about you steve uh
0: i would also fr- fridge fillers no uh, my my fridge fillers generally tend to stay the same they'll that they'll be previously would, would, would have been maybe Rhiney, um although i do believe that's back in, in audi so that little panic's over um jaipur or, or or just just beers that are reliable and 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 i'll go to time and time again um but as we have previously mentioned i am a very seasonal drinker and i do like drinking darker beers during the darker months um but i've already begun to feel as these past this past week or so has been very very spring like i my drinking has changed from drinking dark beers and i've started drinking the lighter stuff again and i i just can't help that it's just that it's just a pattern of drinking that i get into that kind of matches the season oh man that's fair enough um
1: Has fame changed us, Steve? Um, Well, I mean, all about Steve. uh, No, joking. Um, (laughs) I don't think, well, I'm not sure I would use the word fame. Um, And I know we're going to get into this a little bit later with some of the really, really nice comments we've had from people at Sierra Nevada. Um, And that did make me feel really good. And there's no point pretending otherwise. I mean, we all know how powerful words are both in one direction or the other. And, and a lot of the positivity that we've got surrounding the show has made me feel good. I've got a message Steve over the weekend saying, you know, I'm loving that people are loving the show. It's been really good. It's, it's what we've always tried to do. Um, has fame changed us? Well, I guess I never thought I'd get to go and see all of Guinness, Budvar, and talk to Ken Grossman. So, whether it's changed me, I don't know, but I think probably a better way of me describing it is I'm very grateful for what it's given me.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Actually, that's that's a that's a very good good way of putting it. Um, I I don't think fame has changed me. There have been those few moments, and I know we've experienced them occasionally together, mate. Where you've been in a bar, or a beer festival, and someone's turned around and gone, "I recognise that voice." That that's that, that's still quite a strange moment <laughs> that's, when that's still when, weird when when that happens. <laughs> But um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think fame has has, has changed me uh, at all. I mean, we've we've always said, and and we do repeat this fairly often that we this is a hobby for us. We we do it because we enjoy doing it, and we'll continue to do it as long as we enjoy doing it. When we stop enjoying doing it, that's the time for us to stop doing it. Um, so it's 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 not about whether we're we're famous or or not. I think, you know, but there are there are a few little milestones that will always be ours. So, you know, we are now the longest running beer podcast in the UK. Um, I think maybe that will always be ours as long as we keep going. And I think it's quite possibly fair to say that we were, were for, that the first UK beer podcast to have Ken Grossman on as, as, as well, which is a, a two big achievements for us. So, it's not so much about the fame. For, for me, it's about those little achievements that we have every now and again where you you, you think to yourself, wow, I, I never thought my hobby would take me there.
1: Yeah, I suppose the other thing to add is it's made my circle of friends wider geographically. Oh,
0: massive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's made my, it's made my world bigger. And I thank everyone for, for having met them through this medium who's become a friend.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say within that I would include probably all of those listeners that we've met over the times and have become firm friends with as well.
1: Um, Despite this next one, Rich Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Only joking, Rich. So Rich Taylor at Richard Taylor, 69. Do you think that the UK should now have a definitive definition of what is classed as craft beer with an increased amount of breweries being purchased? Surely it's time. Steve, over to you. (sighs)
0: Fucking hell, Rich. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. You, you know, this was supposed to be a bit of fun for us answering <laughs> questions. Um, okay, first of all, I am going to put this out there and say that I absolutely hate, have come to hate the phrase craft beer I, I really really do because i i think it's what what it's done is it's created divisions in beer drinkers and it's it's created a certain amount of snobbery as as, as well in terms of oh well i'm a craft beer drinker and i'm too good to to drink what the, the the peasants drink so to speak so i i really don't like that phrase but i i do think there needs to be some way of is, is regulation the right word? Um, monitoring um, the, the the UK in industry because you know we see in the states that to, to be a craft brewer you, you've you've got to be what is it owned less than
1: uh, twenty four point something percent because yeah. that was the Brooklyn Carlsberg thing, wasn't it? And isn't it a certain amount of output as well? But that bit I may be wrong on now.
0: Yeah. So so maybe. Maybe that's what it should be based on, is, is in terms of the, the output of a brewery. But then I'm, I'm well aware that at the moment that then puts us into the realms of discussions around the small brewers relief as, as, as well. And it, it does feel like the whole small brewers relief is maybe an opportunity to create a definition within the industry. Um, is, is it needed? Possibly. I think so because we are seeing a lot of um, macro brands masquerading as, as as independent breweries these days, um, or is it just an extension of the the things that already exist? Like you know something like the that the SIBA label that a lot of breweries carry on bit on their beers to show that it is independently brewed. I, I I think I'd like to see something. I'd I'd like to see possibly SIBA taking more of a lead on, on, on this and, and developing almost a kite mark for the industry? What about you? No. Okay. <laughs>
1: I, don't, I don't care. Really, I don't care. I, when I saw this question, I think, oh, for fuck's sake, Richard. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to expand on it. I, I don't care about a definition of craft.
0: Okay, coming on the next show, Martin will be answering questions as to why he won't expand on it. Because you, know you know what the listeners are like, mate, when you won't give an answer to something. Next up from Hugh at H Yardley 33. How do you decide what beers you buy and then age other than Fuller's Vintage Ale? And then his second question is, do you mark significant untapped check-ins with special beers? For the first one,
1: I do tend to go like with style and ABV as a starting point. You know, for example, Fuller's Vintage Ale, maybe Big Impy Stout. I'd also maybe slightly guided by the best before date, but the brewery has put on it as well. Some of them 10 years, 20 years, you know, Canteon put on 20 years, I think, on some of their beers. And they're only 5%, but they still say that there's development going on. Um, and then there's a slice of guesswork and a little bit of accidental aging sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as I found out, as I've moved a few times in the last five or six years thinking, oh, I've forgotten about that beer. Ah, oh, maybe I should have drunk that sooner. So that that's that's the 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 sort of work I do, and I definitely don't I don't give it over. I don't think about it too much. But I do remember we discussed this on a show a few years back with a friend of the show, Justin, and um, I think he had a bit more method to our madness, to be honest. But um, what's your view these days, Steve?
0: It's probably the same answer that you've just given. Actually, is it's um, if it's a big old impie Stout or a barley wine, or, or something that's been barrel aged, I, I might look at it and think. But there is kind of a thought process that goes into it as to well, this must be ready to drink now as the brewer intended. Otherwise, I wouldn't have released it now. So, am I doing the brewer a disservice by aging this beer? Um, but generally, I, if, it's, if it's a big old beast of a beer, I'll look at it and I'll say, well, do I want to drink it now? Or do I want to save it for a special occasion? And, and obviously, at the moment, I am very much saving beers for my 50th, which is, which is next year, because um, I do still have this mad scheme of doing the 50 beers for 50 years thing. So at the moment, I've kind of got that in my mind. But generally, it will be... If, if, if I like the description of a beer... And I think to myself, well, if, if that's barrel aged, how long has it been in the barrel and how much more is being in the bottle going to bring to it? And then the other element is, well, is it bottle conditioned and is there still some little yeasties in there doing their work? So how much is it going to change from its release date now to, to, to when I eventually drink it?
1: Yeah, and I, don't, I, I truly believe there isn't an exact science. And I think, the I, same think goes, I think the same goes for wine as well. I mean, you know, we did the Opinions 100 where we did a decent range of Fuller's beers and it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I had a Fuller's uh, one, which was older than those recently. And the, the beer had obviously got oxygen in there at some point, uh, either my storage or the storage before I had it hadn't lived up to what it should be. So it was disappointing. So, you know, and that made me think I should drink all my Fuller's Vintage straight away, but I was uh, blackballed on that by Michelle. No, you can't, Martin, just because they might be off.
0: <laughs> well, um, we have to test them. Surely we have to test them. Yes, what, they, what if they're about to go off next week? Yeah, yeah, you've lost that opportunity forever. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's a bit of guesswork. Um, on the
1: second question, yes, uh, the significant unchapped checkins, check-ins, and even if they're not badges, if it's like... Me and Steve did one, which wasn't a badge, I think, on one of the shows where we drank uh, the Fullers, one of the Fuller's anniversary beers together because we matched our significant number at the same time. Yeah, it was two 2,500, wasn't it? Yeah. 2,500, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's a bit of a, you know, then there's a five thousand one, and But I do know that, yeah, if I know that I'm getting close to what I consider to be a milestone, even if it's not a badge one, I would say, yeah, I probably don't want it to just be an ordinary beer. But yeah. it is, it's purely for me and for my fun, I have to admit.
0: Again, again, I am exactly the same as, as, as you on that one. If, if I know I've got a big milestone coming up, I'll, I'll want to celebrate that with a with a special beer. Um, you know, I know in the, in, in the past we've done um, some, some bits of charity and we, we, we did a thing called Badge Quest, where I think over the course of a month you had to try and get as many badges as you could, and then as many badges as you got, you had to donate to charity for that amount of badges. And, and I know there was I, – I actually had a spreadsheet with all the badges and all the levels – that I was at, and I was working out the moment in which I could possibly bring in a seven or eight badger type thing. And and that's that's that, that's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's incredibly sad. As, as, it's not as well. sad. It's, it's <clears> no <throat> different
1: to when um, when I used to collect football stickers. It's like getting a team and a badge. Literally, the badge for the club. A shiny. It was like, a shiny, how exciting yeah. was that? And there was always a rare one as well. Yes. It yeah. was only one, and eventually you'd have to write off to Panini to get it. And pay I don't know fifty p or something. Um, so yeah, for me it's a bit of fun, a bit like Untapped. I do my check ins for me, and I do my special check ins for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm about as well. I think I was having a discussion with someone on Twitter literally last night um, that, that they were talking about because there's this whole thing come up about ratings again on Untapped. And my Untapped is for me. My ratings are for me. And if if people wanna listen to those ratings and more for them because untapped is about my personal journey through beer. It's not about anything else.
1: Yeah. You know, a bit like our, you know, comments we've made on beers, you know, we're, we're still only offering our thoughts. Yeah. Next question. So from Simon Jewhurst at Simo Sloth, if you could go on a pub bar crawl with travel, not being a restraint. Oh, the days. What three or four places would you choose to go on? and why
0: okay this is really easy for me right now and it is all about the west coast of un- the united states of america i am flying into san francisco i'm going to Toronado. i'm then going up to santa rosa to russian river and i'm then going to chico and i'm going to take up residence in the sierra nevada Room. i am done you mate
1: well we didn't discuss these answers and i've gone for four places but the other three are the same <laughs>
0: brilliant love it
1: because this question came in so close to sierra nevada i've you know i've got sierra nevada in chico anchor in san francisco russian river in santa rosa and then i've put down perhaps a bonus visit to firestone walker in paso robles while you're there might as well
0: yeah
1: let's be honest this is quite some distance to travel you're probably looking at a week because you need a bit of recovery time as well as well as the distance in between just because this is all in one state yes but, you know california is you know the sixth biggest economy in the world so it's a big old place
0: um but that'd be some pub crawl that would be wouldn't it just would, would you get do you think you'd get west coast fatigue on the pallet fuck that no fuck that no there's, <laughs> there's plenty to keep you going yeah um so we've got a few questions from from the, our next listeners this is paul at unrcd Firstly, and I'm gonna—I think I'll ask the question, and then we'll give our answers because he has got so many questions here. Okay, this is what Paul does when he's got an opportunity to ask questions; he damn well asks questions. Um, number one, you are arranging a fantasy summer sesh. Which city are you taking us to? Well, let's assume we've covered our backlog. <laughs> um, I would go
1: to Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham seem, seems to get a lot of love, especially from a couple of the guys that Men Behaving Badly. It's a city I've only been to once and I was 17. It was a work trip um, up there by coach from Ipswich and back on the same day. And I'll be absolutely honest, I can remember not much about it because the beers started. The cans were being opened at 10 o'clock in the morning. So Nottingham to 17 year old me versus 50 year old me, I'm sure is a vastly different place with a few more quality places to visit as well. So. Nottingham would be up there for me. What about you, Steve?
0: See, I'll put the emphasis on the word fantasy here. And, and no, I didn't take us all to San Francisco uh, again before anyone thinks that's where <laughs> I'm going. Uh, a, a little bit closer, but I went for Bruges. I, I I thought it would be amazing to do a summer sesh in, in in Bruges. Can you imagine having a group of us all loving the beer going to all of the best beer places in Bruges? Seven
1: o'clock in the evening. Where's Steve? <laughs> yeah, <you see. laughs>
0: He's, but, he's, he's, he's still in Degas trying to get the three bowls of cheese
1: but yes that, that, that's a good shout that one that is a good shout I'm sure you'll get a lot of love for that one uh what other questions has Paul got for us
0: okay you go to the pub together but the rule of six then applies you each have two celebrities to join you one male and one female who are they
1: uh Kenny Dalgleish and Jodie Whitker.
0: okay well, I've gone for, Paul Dinos for a reason why, so we'll just go with names here. I, I went, maybe we'll talk about why, actually, in a second. Uh, I went for James May and Joe Wiley. Okay. I mean,
1: all right. Well, you just said your two names. <laughs> I mean, James May, obviously, we all know him from, you know, Top Gear and the Amazon version, and the fact that he did Oz
0: and uh, James the drink to Britain. Any other reasons? I, I just think he'd be great to, to chat to throughout the evening i think i think he'd, he'd have a story for everything um you know he's often when you when you see the, the the three of them on top gear or um the grand tour he's always kind of the straight man he's always the butt of the jokes but i, I find him very very funny in 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 that role and, and i think he'd, he, he would keep the evening going along and as, as far as joe wiley's concerned Goodness, that woman would have some stories to tell about the music industry that I would just love to sit and listen to.
1: I oh, think it's excellent choices. I mean, they are two choices I wouldn't have guessed at. Um, I mean, Kenny Dalgleish for me, obvious.
0: Yeah, I think, I think your two are fairly obvious, aren't they? Liverpool legend
1: <laughs> and Jodie Whittaker, the first female doctor and the current incumbent of the role. I mean, I would just be in geek, nerd heaven. I would hope they would do all the talking because I reckon my words wouldn't be coming out anyway.
0: That's it. So if, if that's the six of us going out, you and I are just sitting, drinking, listening to the four of them talk. Basically, oh, so it sounds like this year in the barder show, Steve. <laughs> it's a perfect evening for us. Yeah. Um, and then Paul's final question for now, because he has got another one a bit later as well. But the final one for now is: you go to the pub and there are only macro offerings available. What would your ideal macro choice be? Guinness. Same. <laughs> no, I, I knew I knew you was going to say Guinness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would always, I, I would always go for Guinness as well. Yeah, well you, if, you
1: get a, if you end up somewhere and it gives you a bad pint of Guinness, you just
0: leave anyway. Exactly, yeah. If you can't so look it, after your worth.
1: Guinness, you, you can't look after a bar. Yeah. So, following up from the free questions from Paul, we have two questions from James at Gammon Baron. So, again, we'll do the same. I'll ask the first one, Steve. And you've already narrowed it. You have to give another answer now because you've already given an answer. I, I have got, I've got
0: a second answer, yeah, yeah.
1: Where would you go in Europe for your next beery adventure? You can't have gone before and you don't have to worry about COVID.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So you can't have gone before for beery purposes, or you can't ever have visited there before? I've read
1: that as you can't have gone there before ever.
0: Shit. Um, Okay. You're going to need to answer that one then, because I I was going to say Barcelona um, purely to go to that place that you went to that was a a cafe and a beer bar as as well, because that just sounded amazing. But I've just realized that I've been to Barcelona before um, a good few years back, not for the beer. But so I can't have Barcelona. So I need to have a think. So you need to answer that. Why I have a think as to where I'm going instead.
1: Okay, Um, I'll tell you what. I'll ask question two then as well. So which guest would either of you love to interview on the show?
0: Can I have two here? Go on. Because I could I couldn't split these. Um, The first one's Dave Grohl, which, uh, again, I, I would love to interview that man. And, and, and talk to him about his life and um, everything that he's achieved during it. Um, the second one w- would be uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> the, 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 the wrestler, because I think that would just be a brilliant chat. That, that would be fan- fantastic. Um, yeah,
1: you're just all about the meme there,
0: mate. I am, absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so let's go reverse order. And so I stuck with the beer theme and given our conversation with Ken and given all the research we did, we did. Um, Fritz Maytag, the 83-year-old former owner of Anchor Brewing fame, and perhaps more importantly, inspiration to Ken. That's who I would like to speak to because the, the history of Anchor, forgetting about the recent you know uh, discussion about the labelling and stuff and the rebrand, it sounded like there was a lot happening in the 60s when he took took on Anchor. So I'd love to have that conversation with him. What? And also while he's still around, given he's 83, I think that'd be a fascinating one. Uh, Where in Europe? Bamberg. So the place of smoked beers, um, but may less for the beer and the fact that it's only an hour from Munich and is a world UNESCO heritage site as well. And the pictures I've seen of Bamberg and everyone I know who's talked about it in the past and have gone there, it sounds like a wonderful place to go. And I could do Munich as well. So Bamberg would be the place I'd go to. What about you, Steve?
0: I, I'm really struggling with this with with this one now. Um, so, so I'm just I'm probably just going to go for somewhere that I've, I've always wanted to to, to, to visit. Um, maybe not so much for the beer though, and and that's probably Reykjavik in in, in Iceland because um, I've always kind of fancied going that far north into sort of like the cold reaches and the the, the days of no night sort of thing. Um, I, I think that would and. The, the, the possible opportunity to see the Northern Lights and, and all that sort of thing would be a real, uh, a real draw for me.
1: Okay, I mean, now they have got a beer scene. I mean, it's a bit more of an expensive beer scene, as I understand it. You might have to save a few pennies before you go there, Steve. But I think it'd be a fascinating place to go.
0: Yeah, I don't see that coming up on the summer sesh shortlist anytime soon. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. Um, so the, the, the final uh, question in in this part, uh, again, this is from Paul at UNRCD. Um, so your dream bar has four cask lines and four keg lines. You have to dedicate a brewery to each line. Who are you going for? Now, Martin and I had a chat about this and we very rapidly came to the conclusion that most of the lines <laughs> that we had were the same. So what we've come up with is... The ultimate opinions bar, so to speak. These are the eight lines that we would have on in, in our joint bar. And um, Martin, being the king of cask, is, is going to take us through the four cask lines.
1: Yeah, so this is in, in order of preference. This is just in order the way we've written them down on the notes. Thornbridge, Adnams, Marble, Oakham. Because I think that ticks a lot of cask beers that me and Steve both love.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by any of those. Can Can I just add the caveat that the marble line has to have a sparkler on it as as well?
1: I would I I would probably agree, and I'd probably argue about Thornbridge as well.
0: Depends on which
1: which beer is on. Yeah, true, true. But I'm I'm picturing myself in this, you know, the Sheffield tap kind of environment.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So, totally yeah,
1: that. I think that's, that's four very, very solid and wide range of cask beers available in our, in the cask section of our bar, Steve.
0: Yes. In the keg section. So, keg line one, and all of our listeners shout together, the Colonel. That's no surprise there that that's our first cask line. Um, we then, uh, the others are a little bit out there. Uh, we went for Galway Bay. Um, because we've both thoroughly enjoyed their, their beers every time we've been to Ireland. Um, we then went for, unsurprisingly, Sierra Nevada. Um, it would be great to have a keg line of Sierra Nevada's beers in. And, and then our fourth line, we, we, this one took us a while to come to, didn't it? And then I, I think we had the conversation, it got to the point where we were like, we need a lager. If, if, if this is our bar, we need a lager. Um, and after discussing a few options, we came up with Utopian, because they've got such a great range of lagers to have their beers rotating on their own line, that'd just be brilliant, wouldn't it? That'd be everything.
1: That that bar is the bar I want to go to now. It's it's no, um, literally now. I want to go oh, oh, right now. <laughs> you, you, you want to go? You, you want to go now? Yes, I, I did. I that question. I did. I did notice, Paul. You got quite a bit of traction on that, and I think Marble also got involved themselves on the uh, on the Monday talking about it. So well done. Good question. I think they got a few people thinking. There were some really good answers. There was, uh, to be honest, there was actually no bad answers. The ones no, I saw.
0: No, I, I I thought it was great, and there were a lot of similar ones. Uh, yeah. I saw I saw a lot of Colonel. I saw a lot of Burning Sky. Saw a lot of Thornbridge. Um, uh, quite a bit of Daya as as, as well. So there were a, a lot of people have got the same sort of fuse on these things.
1: Yeah, definitely. But yeah, a good good question, Paul, for your question number four
0: yeah well all of the questions have been absolutely um fantastic um thank you to all of our listeners for, for sending those in we do still have a couple of questions to go though don't we so we've got uh, a couple that were sent to you via dm and a couple that were sent to me via dm to ask each other so um do you want to go first
1: okay um i've got three questions from you all three questions are from listener of the show rob at Wim fandangle question one Based on the last three number one fans of opinions, Snog, Mary Block.
0: Oh, you can't do that. No,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. The last three: Michael, Sean, and Paul.
0: Um. Yes. So,
1: I mean, this sounds like the questions they do on Celebrity Jungle or something when they're run out of other things to talk about
0: oh that's a that's a terrible <laughs> question that's that's absolutely awful um no i'm not answering that i'll just <laughs> i tell you what
1: uh if you if, alright let's let's put it away so let's go for the most positive one which of the three would you marry still can't no rob you've stumped steve
0: that's no i i can't i can't answer that question I, 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 don't, I don't see any way that I can answer that question without offending anybody in either a positive or a negative way <laughs> so I'm, I'm literally um, I thought the same, but I did think it was still a funny question I, i'm, I'm going to if, if, if we were in America I'd be pleading the uh, is, it, is it the fifth I'd be pleading yeah. the fifth yeah. on, on, on that one.
1: Okay, I think you'd enjoy the second question more. Which avenger actor would you most like to go for a drink with and then the same question. And you may have answered this one already. Which wrestler?
0: I would uh, I was I was actually gonna call him by his character name then. Um Robert Downey Jr. Uh, absolutely. I, I think he'd be the uh the 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 most fun person to 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 have a beer with. I, I think he'd he'd really get into it um in in terms of uh, a wrestler i'm actually not going to go for stone cold steve austin i would love to go for a beer with mark calloway uh, also known as the undertaker because that that man has been in the industry for many many years now and um that would be a really really interesting night out over a few beers with him okay cool
1: told you you enjoyed the second question more yeah question three which of Martin's suggestion for opinions has been the best, and which has been the worst?
0: Can, can it can it be the same one?
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose it could be
0: uh, the the ice in beer. What, what <laughs> question? <laughs> which when when you first said we should do this, I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And and then it got a massive load of votes, um, and and like loads of people got involved in that. I think probably that has been equally the the (laughs) best question that you came up with and the worst one at the same time.
1: Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'll take that one. I will take the hit on that one. I'll take 50-50 on that one. And that's the three questions I had for you, Steve.
0: Okay, well, I've I've also got two questions from you, um, from from Rob, at Wim Fandangle. Very similar vein to to what you've just asked me. Uh, If you could share a joke with any actor from Doctor Who, Living or Dead, who would it be? And the same question for any actor from James Bond.
1: Uh, doctor Who actor would be Peter Davison because that was my Doctor as a kid and that's the one I remember all of his run um, and obviously the little bit of the geeky yeah, out that you know David Tennant the 10th Doctor is his son-in-law as well and that his daughter appeared in Doctor Who in the story The Doctor's Daughter so yeah I could have a bit of geek heaven there and um, sorry what was the second part? Uh,
0: same question for any actor from James Bond
1: uh, Timothy Dalton because I think he's vastly underrated in the two films he did. And I love the fact that he was also in Flash, (laughs) Flash Gordon, and also in Doctor Who. So again, ticks a hell of a lot of boxes for me, mainly because I do think, and he's also been in the acting profession for so many years as well. I think he'd have a few good tales. He might need to warm up a little bit. We may have different uh, drinking choices, but I think that'd make for quite a good evening.
0: Excellent choices. And then the other question from you is from Rob L at Kaya San Your Forest. Um, he did say not to bother with his tag, but uh, I think it's important because Rob's a new contributor. It's important to, to mention where he's at. Um, so what is your experience of beer directly from wood casks? Worthwhile, a fad or a waste of time?
1: I think it can be all three, to be honest. Um, my best experience of wood from the cask is at Steve at Bien Nouveau. The first time that I met Steve and we did the recording up there and he was doing these beers that he said weren't based on other recipes but clearly were from days gone by. And they were just bloody fabulous, they were. And he's probably one of the big exponents of doing it. Equally, I think people can hide behind the wood for some of the faults that may come out um and also if they're not doing it properly then they're definitely going for the fad. but if you want if you want to go for it properly you need to go and visit Steve at being in very Manchester when when the opportunity arises in the future
0: and not only will you uh, enjoy the beers you will learn a lot about them as well just one question left each and this is this is one that we've kind of written for each other so um Away you go, mate. You can can ask yours first. I was sort
1: of inspired by the first question I I asked, Steve, from All Ale the Beer about the three to six-month shelf life. Now, as eagle-eared listeners uh, will know, we have still got opinions on films, Avengers, Endgame to do. And we have spoken about doing beers which have definitely gone past their three to six-month shelf life. Now, first question, is that still the plan, Steve? And... Why don't you share what those beers are and where they've come from?
0: I, yes, we are still going to do opinions on films and end game because you and I have both said that we, we feel that that little off series has, has come to its natural end, but isn't complete yet. It hasn't finished its story arc. So to complete, so, so to speak, and we think the only way we can finish that is by recording a three hour plus podcast of you and I geeking out about one of the greatest cinematic moments in of, of all time um the beers that I've suggested that we, we drink with it are a uh, tin bucket and it literally is a tin bucket of beers that, that that I've got that were bought at a boot sale for fifteen quid and and they're all from the year of um prince charles and diana's wedding so they're they're 40 years old now these these beers are and they're all probably very much of what would have been a similar style at at the time now i'm not sure i'm not sure if by drinking them all if we're going to be doing our insides any good but also if there's going to be much variation between them all so I, i don't know maybe we pick three four of them and 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 see how they go in terms of taste wise to see if there is any difference and because if they're all just going to end up tasting the same there's no point in us drinking them we're we're, we're only drinking them for the sake of drinking them i'm willing i'm still willing to try a couple of them because i think they're i think
1: they're not i don't anticipate them being great because who knows how they've been stored um so i think it's still worth the experiment but when you first suggested it to me i went (laughs) oh that's a bit outside our normal way of working but yes it could literally be end game
0: it it could be yes um i I do think we need to think carefully about what other beers we drink though because i i tend to get quite emotional end game at the best of times if i've had too much to drink all people are going to listen in to in the last 40 minutes or so is me crying (laughs) on the microphone let's be honest nobody wants to hear that no but good answer steve i like that one (laughs) So the question I've got for you is and this this is more this is probably a little bit more appealing to your nerdy sides. This is a little bit of a timey wimey question. So if you could go back in time and change any one thing that's happened during the time of your beer journey, what would it be?
1: Do what would I change?
0: And let's for, for, for the sake of the theme of our podcast let's keep it within the beer industry as as well let's not let's not start talking about you you know changing world events oh okay so not like the conversations we had on my stag stag weekend then no no (laughs) no no, nothing like that so this is more about something 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 that's happened in beer in in the time of your beer journey that you'd like to go back and change because for some reason you, you you think the world would be better if that hadn't happened i
1: don't know about changing the world but i think for me personally i wish i had discovered punk earlier i think i'd learned about brew earlier and i there was something which wasn't quite appealing for me at the time and i probably came into Brewdog punk about four years after so what was it 2007 punk got it back in my mind but i could be wrong but I I know that I was quite a late adopter, relatively speaking, to when it first came out. And I have to admit, I wish I'd tasted it perhaps closer to what everyone says. It was still one of the, you know, its best, so to speak, rather than the consistent version for perhaps they do now, which probably doesn't quite tick all the same boxes. I definitely wish I'd been able to have Punk. So it's more of a wish for me personally. And I do wonder if I'd had that earlier, would some of the other bits of my journey be different as well? great answer and i enjoyed i enjoyed that
0: i i enjoyed that actually i i enjoyed all those questions and and we are really grateful to 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 our listeners for submitting those it has been some of them we've had to give a little bit of thought to um but but i will just say that rob i'm never going to forgive you for that question so (laughs) um that that was horrible and i i think i did the right thing to, to to not answer it
1: i think that's fine that's fine fifth amendment mate Claimed,
0: done. We've spoken quite a lot there. And, and, and during that time, um, I know I've certainly drained my beer. Um, oh, yeah, mine's evaporated. Fi- final thoughts on, uh, on on the delirium?
1: When I first had delirium a number of years ago, I thought it was a bit too sweet. I didn't maybe I didn't quite get it. Now, I mean, obviously, after I'd spoken about it earlier, saying a bit of the brilliant notes were coming through, then you start getting the Belgian golden ale sweetness that's there. But I didn't find it overpowering at all. And then seriously, mate, once we started doing these questions back and forth, completely forgot about it. And that is what happens when you're drinking Belgian beer in a Belgian bar with people who love to be around. You will just carry on sipping. And because you don't have to even get up to go to the bar, someone comes over, you go, oh yeah, I'll have one of these. And so you're having another 8% beer or 9% beer. And that's why it's dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah i I'd, i I'd, I'd agree with that actually and I'd, I love that analogy of just sitting chatting with people and forgetting about what's in your glass because you're just yeah. drinking it and and you're chatting. How did you find the six degrees as you got into it again probably probably similar just sitting there drinking it and just really enjoying it. I think the um the, the, the iness to to it really underpins that i p a flavor that's going on that ipa characteristics and and just complements it so well it's, it's just a really delicious beer and that that's one that i think i'm probably going to be ordering more of that as as, as the year goes on um that exactly. might become I mean, a bit of a bit of a fridge filler for me there is a
1: lot of love for six degrees north and i think we've spoken about them before and they're you know the collaborations the act that they've done with adams has always been a very well highly regarded so you know that's i, I like the way that you went for belgium inspired beer rather than just beers from belgium
0: yeah well let's move on to our third beer and continue that journey well i'm continuing um along my belgian ish theme so i'm staying with six degrees north actually this time and i've got a flemish black which is a um it's a black sour beer oh okay I
1: mean, that's interesting. What, what ABV does that come in at, Steve?
0: Probably 6.66 the way I'm going this evening. Let me have, <laughs> let me have a look. Uh, 7%. So it's just a slight step up from me from the the, the 6.6. What what are you drinking, mate?
1: Uh, less of a slight step up and more of a leap for mankind, to be honest. Um, I asked Michelle at the weekend, said, oh, we need two Belgian beers for the uh, show. So she pulled out the delirium. I went, okay, cool. Do build delirium, only 2%, but that's good. And then she passed me the golden drag, uh, Impey stout from brewery Van Steenberger, twelve percent.
0: It's that. So you're definitely taking one for the team this evening, aren't you? I'm definitely
1: taking one for the team. I, I have had this one before. It's a bit of a, a little while, and I do recall at the time thinking, but I was a bit confused by it. And I'll, okay. I'll sort of say why as we as, as we dive into them, anyway.
0: All right. Well, let's um,
1: waste no more time. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Now you are expressing delight both in your sound effects and the look on your face, Steve. I'll take it you're enjoying that.
0: That is delicious, actually. So you get the um, get kind of the sourness on 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 the nose. It, you can't really smell sourness, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you do you actually do pick up a little bit about a little bit of oak, a little bit of vanilla uh, on on the flavour. It's it, it it's light. It's it's not sour at all. It's more tart. Um, but it's not overly tart it's a very balanced tartness Uh, it's not overly carbonated it's quite soft in the mouthfeel loads of kind of um, vanilla on the finish and quite a quite a bit of tannins as, as well and if if sort of read the description on the bottle, it probably explains that. So it's um, Flemish Back is a dark owl aged in Bordeaux wine barrels to give an intense sourness alongside the deep roasted malt and dried fruit from the barrel. I mean, it, it all comes together perfectly. This is it's absolutely delightful.
1: It sounds a wonderfully complex beer. It
0: is. It's it's
1: amazing. It does look dark actually in the glass. So, is it, yeah, it's definitely not got that reddish. Kind no, of hue. It's definitely on the black, isn't it?
0: it? It's black. It is. It is black as as the night all the way through. Now, my one.
1: So, I like I said, I've had this once before last summer, and although I said it confused me, I did love it. The reason it confused me because it's a twelve percent in stout, and I'm going to avoid some of the tropes I do usually use. But it's so light for an impi piece stout. That's what confuses you to start off with, because. A 12% percent in out. I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm probably expecting a bit of viscosity. I'm mm-hmm. expecting it to be quite a thick mouthfeel. I'm expecting it to, if you moved it around the glass, almost like a, a, red, a really good red wine, but leaves a bit of the red wine around the glass. This doesn't do any of that. So it is still, still a dark beer, but I don't think it's that, it's not really like nighttime. It's still got a little bit where you can sort of start to see a hint of almost brown. It's a, re- it's a really strange one, but I did really enjoy it. It was very light, very easy to drink, but I did find it a bit confusing because it wasn't, It sort of subverted my expectations, I guess. I um, don't really know where that sentence came from. Maybe it's the 12% beer talking. But I did really enjoy it, and I have to admit, my first bit of aroma and bit of flavour and the fit again, I am really enjoying it. But I dare say, like the other beers, you could, usually with an impy stout, it stops you from drinking it quickly.
0: Has it, has it got that... Uh, have they used like a Belgian yeast strain with it? So is it, is it, is it Belgian-y? It's definitely got...
1: Still got belgian notes, but they're far less pronounced than the Duval or the Delirium. So it, feel, it feels like it's there, but it's hidden a bit more.
0: Because Em, em and I picked up some... When, when we ordered some, some more of the Duval 6.6, 6, uh, we, we picked up some Guinness that had been brewed at the Martins Brewery in, in Belgium. And this is like an eight point something percent Guinness that that, that we've picked up. It's bottled. Um, and I'm guessing it's what Guinness would refer to. And I know they released it as a special once as their Antwerpian. Oh, um, yeah.
1: I think we had that. Oh, I'd, I definitely had it once at Open Gate Brewery.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to giving that a try, actually, because it's it's kind of I suppose it's Guinness, but not as we know it.
1: Yeah, that's actually, I might have a little look at that. Um, but yeah, I don't remember thinking that was, again, as thick as you might expect it to be. But this one certainly isn't. Like I said, for 12%, I think if you were going on aroma and body and look, I reckon, you're okay, you'd notice the Belgian beers, but you might pitch it between 7 and 8%. I don't think you'd get the 12% straight away, which I think puts it into the highly dangerous territory.
0: We should probably crack on then before it gets too dangerous for you.
1: Yeah, before I just fall Uh, off the breakfast bar stool.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so once again, just uh, thank you to all of our listeners for, for sending in the questions for this show. Uh, Martin and I have really in, enjoyed answering most of those. Um, and you can always keep the questions coming. You can always ask us questions, use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in the next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts
1: and bitter and lingerness. Write it down. Jake Williams at baggins seventy one. Roosters are always really consistent, in my experience. When you see them on tap, you know you're going to get good stuff. And Babyface Estassin is just one of the greatest beer names ever. From Ian Hay at I.I.Hay, interesting episode. The consistency info and bits about switching brew house, particularly insightful. Thumbs up emoji.
0: From James at Gammon Baron, very fond memories of drinking Babyface Assassin at North Bar on both cask and keg in January 2018. But my favourite Roosters beer is Cream. First had it at the Coach and Horses in Harrogate and drank it in two gulps. Sparkled Silk.
1: I want a pint of Cream
0: now. So so do I. <laughs> exactly how James has described it there as, as as well. From Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, enjoyed the Roosters show. Didn't seem like a hundred minutes.
1: Indie Beer Yorkshire at Indie Beer Yorks finally got to listen to all on the show. Lots of love for Yankee and Babyface assassin, of course. And it was really interesting to hear about the details behind the site move. Time for a brew podcast at time for a brew pot. Listening to the first 10 minutes of the latest show. And all I want now is a pint of cask Yankee down the local. Yankee was my first cast beer and would always hold a special place in my heart. Get me to the pub.
0: I think, I think those comments just go to show just how much love there is for, for Roosters beers.
1: Yeah, for roosters, the E foster beers. And I was, until people started sending in these comments, I wasn't really aware of the beer cream.
0: No, I, I'd never heard of it until James mentioned it there. Um, I do just want to say at this point, actually, that we're, we're really, really grateful to Roosters as well, because they did do um, a lot of shout outs of the, the, the last show for us on social media. So thank you very much to the team at Roosters for that. Um, we do always appreciate it when a brewery gets behind us when we've got the, either their beers or a, a member of their staff on as well. That's that's always great that we get that support from the breweries as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Completely agree with you there, Steve.
0: Uh, and the next one from Gerald Farrell at Gerald Farrell 2. I live in the Republic of Ireland and as well as buying from the Irish online bottle shops, I used to purchase from Beers of Europe as I love to have a bit of a cellar of Fuller's, Sam Smith, and Burton Bridge Brewery, etc. Since Brexit, unfortunately, they can no longer deliver to me as I'm in the EU. Could I, through the auspices of your show, ask, are there any bottle shops in the UK shipping to the EU? Now, the reason we've put this in here is because neither you or I know the the answer to this question. So we actually want to put this out to our listeners. Does anybody know? And that 2% of our listeners that are from Ireland as well, it'd be really useful if Wayne could answer this one, because I'm putting him down to the whole 2%. Um, If anybody can help, gerald here let us know send us send us a dm and 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 we'll make sure that we pass that on to gerald because it'll be great if we can find a way to continue to get some of these fantastic beers from the uk to him in the republic of ireland
1: yeah and you know i'd be curious i have to admit because we've heard about you know europe trying to come to us has become difficult so us to europe Uh, you know let us know but hopefully there are some people who can still do it and have found a way through all of the uh the red tape to get some out there and um gerald good luck
0: yeah yeah now as we mentioned earlier on we have had a lot of feedback about the sierra nevada show so we are going to go through some of that now there is quite a bit of it but we loved listening to this feedback as it came in so we just really wanted to share it with you our listeners so starting off pete at hops and hoops Take about bow,
1: chaps. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, from Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds, this is really cool.
0: Well done, guys. Continuing that theme, 20 at mw 20 wonderful. Really was a great listen this morning. Clayton at Clayfish, Ken Grossman, interview alert here, reaffirming the assertion that opinions is the preeminent UK beer podcast. I'm still just more surprised that Clayton listened to it, to be honest with you. Yeah, apparently it's his second show running. Yeah. We'll find
1: out. We'll find out if he does free shows when he comments on this one. From Ian Hay at II Hey, this is simply brilliant. Great episode. Fascinating interview with Ken. The Beer O'Clock Show has raised the UK beer podcast level to an incredible level with this. A fascinating and compelling story. From your boy Rob Edwards at Rob Edwards 90. Just on my second listen of this, what a surprise to wake up to. Can't believe the boys kept this a secret. Love hearing Steve say pale (laughs) ale. I assume he means your way of saying pale ale. To Ken Grossman, legend of brewing.
0: I'm just surprised that some people listen to it twice. (laughs) I mean, we knew it was a good show, but wow. um, Blown away by that revelation. From Wayne at the Irish Beer Snob. Quite simply, some of the most engaging and brilliant content from Stephen Martin. Ken's passion is so clear to hear and delightful to listen to. Download this episode ASAP in three words, balanced, stable, and reliable. From John Hart at Metal Mother 666, listening to this on the way home, now drinking a Bigfoot 2021. It tastes amazing. That's the way to do it. From
1: Jay at JZ1878, this was really, really problematic for my no drinking on a school night rule, as after listening, I wanted to swing by and grab a few Sierra Nevadas to squeak whilst cooking. I've held on, though. Great pod. Paulie G, Can I Get a P? Steve and Martin landed a proper catch here. A great episode, and they sounded so happy to be talking to Ken. I would be too, to be honest.
0: From Michael, Mick McGrarty. What a great surprise to wake up to this morning and seeing that my favourite beer podcast interviewed the legend that is Ken Grossman. Great work, guys. And from Johnny, Johnny Beer Boy. Finished this morning, and what a thoroughly wholesome, informative, and lovely 80 minutes or so of chat with a man responsible for sending my life off in a slightly different direction.
1: Hoppy lot at Lottie Peplo. Awesome stuff. I learned so much too. Loved Ken talking about the rivalry between East and West Coast IPAs. Josh Hales at Joshua A. Hales. I've got out of the habit of listening to the show because I used to do it on my commute. But this looks like a good one to get back in with. Looking forward to it.
0: From Beyond the Pal at Ian Sutton 12, get on board this informative, enlightening, enjoyable, doesn't even describe it enough. One of the world's most iconic brewers. Well done for setting it up. And from the Owl trail at the Owl trail, I really enjoyed listening to Ken this morning. Had to pop out and nab some Sierra Nevada Parallel. Thumbs up emoji.
1: And the last couple, Guzzler at Lagging Boat. Next level podcast, gents. So such a great privilege to listen to a brewing legend like Ken Grossman. Such wonderful insights into the history of Sierra Nevada and the beer industry in general. It was genuinely fantastic. It's just a shame it wasn't 10 hours long. And finally, David at DW Markham. Love listening to the show over the weekend, guys. Ken's such a cool guy. And this was really interesting insight into one of my favorite breweries.
0: We are blown away by that feedback. We, we, we really are. I mean, as, as we said at the beginning of the show, when we was talking about the the Sierra Nevada show, we kind of knew we had something special there. Um, and yes, it was really, really tough to keep that under wraps as well, because I I was like a kid at Christmas. I, I just wanted to open all of my presents at the beginning of December. You know, I couldn't wait till Christmas Day. But to, to, to sort of, from, from the point of view of having to, put that show together and edit it as well after we recorded it and it needed minimal editing what what you heard was essentially the entirety of the discussion that martin and i had had with ken um listening back to it then and knowing how good it sounded to to hear all of you folks our listeners say what a great show that was i i I don't think mind me speaking for him here but we are truly humbled but by that we, we we really are because I, I think we probably both believe as we know a number of our listeners too that's probably the best show that we've ever done
1: um, i would completely agree and you know and again i would say thank for stevie i think we were both a little bit nervous you know we're you know we're still hobbyists we're still amateurs at this game and you know, for us, suddenly we were gonna. It would be like me chatting, uh, or a football, a real, you know, a diehard football fan who did podcasts and got to chat to their football hero. You know, especially for Steve, because Steve was well on record as saying that Sierra Nevada Pale is his like beer epiphany as well. Um, and you know, we were on the Zoom for about fifteen minutes before Ken joined, and even up until when just before Ken joined, I think is he gonna is he gonna sign in. Are oh, we suddenly going to get an email and say, that, oh, Ken can't make it, you know, busy guy. Uh, says, it's such okay, it's just a couple of podcasters in the UK. But the fact is, it was seven o'clock in the morning for him. He was sitting there. Didn't quite look tired, but you, you felt it was morning time. You know, that came across to start off with when we first spoke to him as a, give him a bit of a heads up about what we wanted to do. But I would definitely go along with the comment which says, it's just a shame it wasn't 10 hours long.
0: Oh, I could have spoken to him for so long.
1: I could have done, I mean, uh, if I carried on drinking the 9% Imperial Hazy IPA, some of those words would have become a lot shorter or a lot more of a struggle. But yeah, um, it was. And the word, two words that would come up in all those comments, which I can't disagree with at all legend and insight. His insight into Sierra Nevada and the brewing industry and what he feels about and, and Sierra Nevada's ethos behind it. And yeah, as far as I am concerned, he is a living legend in the beer world and he has probably changed quite a few people's perceptions of what beer can be. So, yeah, Echo Steve, truly humbled by all the feedback we've had from that show. And and that goes for all the feedback we get, but I think... Hats off to everyone who's listened, especially those of you who listened more than once as well. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it still amazes me that people have listened more, more than once. But thank, thank you all. And like, like Martin says, your, your, your feedback is always so important to us. And we do, we do listen to that feedback and, and, and we use it to make what we do better for, for, for you as, as our listeners. So do make sure you keep using that hashtag opinions because we do find it. We do search it out and, and we do use that to inform future shows. I know we've not been drinking this beer for very long. Um, and I know we're probably going to continue it long after this, this week's show is finished, but any final thoughts on your Gordon Drack uh, Imperial stout there?
1: Starting to get some of those Imperial stout notes, a bit of, you know, a bit of coffee, a bit of dryness, a little bit of chocolate, but it's still still very light and bright. It's uh, and when you say drinking it for a long time, I may not be drinking it quite as long as you think I'm definitely halfway through the bottle, judging by what's in the glass. Um, it is, a, it's, a, it's a beer well worth seeking out, I think, because I don't, I think it will, like I said, it will be not quite what you're expecting it to be, but I still think you'll find it a very enjoyable drink. How's your Flemish Black going down, Steve?
0: I'm absolutely loving it. Um, it's, there's no sourness. on this. Uh, there's a little bit of tartness. There's no heartburning tartness in it. It's just a really, really balanced beer. Uh, what you do get is those lovely uh, sort of red wine tannins. There's a hint of roast from the malts in there, but it's all just so well-balanced. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, six degrees north are churning out some incredible Belgian-style beers in the UK. Um, and I think it's great when a brewery takes a, a style from elsewhere and makes it their own
1: yeah no I completely agree and I, I think six degrees north do that to a T. to be honest i think their beers are definitely their beers it's just that they have been inspired by belgian beers um not dissimilar to perhaps some of the st- styles which we've learned to love from burning sky for example
0: yeah and salve society yeah uh, they just do
1: them very well
0: yes yes they've they've taken the time to learn how to do them and then they do them well
1: yeah and nothing wrong with that at all. We're all Everyone's inspired by someone else, generally.
0: What's coming up next time, mate? Because we've got the, the big hitters just keep coming, <laughs> don't they?
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, this one we're not keeping a secret. Um, Melissa Cole has agreed to join us on the show in a couple of weeks' time. And um, we're lucky enough to be enjoying a selection of beers from Lost and Grounded as well. So massively looking forward to that one. We've both met Melissa a couple of times before. Uh, be wonderful to have her on the show to have a really in-depth conversation about all things beer-related. So, yeah, that's going to be a call call. I reckon. We, I don't reckon we will have to do too much then, Steve. Either.
0: I, I I'm really excited about this, and it's it's really strange because I can't I can't believe it's taken me eight and a half years to get Melissa on a podcast.
1: She's a busy person as well.
0: I, I will say at this point, what we're not going to do is we're not doing the Melissa Cole backstory um, because. Everybody should know that everybody should know Melissa's history and beer. So we are going to go in a slightly different direction with, with, with this show but we don't know what that is yet because we're still agreeing it with Melissa. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so we, we will do a little bit of, of beer journey, but we're not going to do all of it because um, frankly, she's bored of telling that story as, as, as well as people are of listening to it. I, I, I think.
1: I think we'll have a bit of a brief catch up about how she's got to where she is, but it's got to be what she's doing now and what she's got planned for the future. And there are some, there are some exciting things planned anyway. So
0: you as our listeners, as always, if you want to ask Melissa any questions you the hashtag opinions let us know what you'd like to ask her and we'll make sure that's included and really that's all left to say this week it's been a, a thoroughly enjoyable show i've really enjoyed um doing the questions with with, with you and enjoying these these Belgian beers mate it's been a been a really good one
1: it has been a really good one and if it hadn't been for questions and comments from you our listeners this would have been a 10 minute show so it's your own fault but it's going to be closer to two hours <laughs> cheers cheers yeah, more-